think that for us at the moment, we're certainly taking our cues and best practices from the incumbents. Mm -hmm. It's important that we surround each of our products with the best of breed service providers. And most, if not all of our team are ex Wall Streeters in that they've spent time at large banks or hedge funds or accounting firms or legal firms, which I think has really given them fantastic background and, and fantastic experience that translates well into a startup environment like Grayscale, where they can actually put a lot of that skills and, and experience to work and, and building something all together. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Beyond the crazy things happening with digital currencies and crypto, there are companies building real businesses and digital assets. Grayscale is a digital asset manager for investors to get access to this new asset class. Directly buying cryptocurrencies is complicated, so Grayscale has created single asset and diversified trusts that investors of all types can buy in their brokerage accounts or through a financial advisor. If it sounds kind of old school, it is. Much of the Grayscale team hails from Wall Street, and the firm is taking cues from established asset managers. Managing Director Michael Sonnenschein joins me on the podcast to talk about the firm's Drop Gold campaign, which aims to position investing in Bitcoin as the modern version of investing in gold. We talk about who's investing in digital assets and why. Michael Sonnenschein is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. So my name is Michael Sonnenschein, and I'm Managing Director at Grayscale Investments. We are a New York-based digital currency asset management business, currently the largest in the world. We have a little less than $3 billion in assets under management, and I have been overseeing the daily operations and growth of the Grayscale business for a little over the last five years after spending a couple of years on Wall Street, uh, working at Bank of America, Barclays, and uh, most recently at J.P. Morgan. So before we jump into Grayscale, and obviously that's going to be the bulk of our conversation, I want to hear a little bit about that Wall Street experience. I guess, um, was, was that a big transition moving from a traditional institution to, to Grayscale? It was, and I think it was a welcome one. I was ready for a new challenge, and certainly after working for a large institution, with time to go someplace smaller with a lot more autonomy and uh, a lot more um, you know, connectedness to the business's success or failures. And when I joined Grayscale, it was in uh, the early part of 2014, and this was at a time when Bitcoin was you know, in its really in its infancy, although mm -hmm. I would still argue that, you know, we are still generally speaking in the infancy of the digital currency asset class. And I took a risk. I took a reputational risk, a career risk. And uh, the last five and a half years has been very, very rewarding watching the business grow and watching uh, the asset class solidify its place uh, amongst the investment community. I can imagine. And, and having worn both hats, both the, the traditional finance route and sort of the, the, the upstart, the insurgent, um, do, do you think that um, Grayscale and other you know, sort of next generation financial firms, uh, how competitive will they be against Wall Street longer term? That's a great question. I think that for us at the moment, we're certainly taking our cues and best practices from the incumbents. Mm -hmm. It's important that we surround each of our products with the best of breed service providers. And most, if not all of our team, are ex-Wall Streeters in that they've spent time 
at large banks or hedge funds or accounting firms or legal firms, which I think has really given them fantastic background and, and fantastic experience that translates well into a startup environment like Grayscale, where they can actually put a lot of that skills and, and experience to work and in, in building something all together. That's interesting. So, so let's let's segue into Grayscale. Uh, so, what do you guys do, um, and you know, for whom do you do it? Absolutely. So, the Grayscale business was really meant to help investors, be them retail investors, institutional investors, gain access to the digital currency asset class. We've long taken and still take the view that digital currencies have not only arrived, but they're here to stay. And there are certain qualities and characteristics of digital assets that make them difficult for investors to determine where to buy them, how to transfer them, how to safe keep and, and hold them or store them. And when we thought about how to kind of bridge that gap, um, this was early 2013, we decided to launch our first investment fund, which is a long-only passively managed Bitcoin fund called Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. And after surveying many different types of investment structures, we actually decided to replicate that of many commodity-based funds where investors can buy shares of a fund and it gives them exposure to an underlying asset. This has been a structure that's been created for everything from gold to silver to you name it. And we started doing it uh, for Bitcoin and then have obviously uh, replicated that for a lot of other digital currencies. And so today, the Grayscale family spans 10 investment products, nine of them facilitating access to a single digital currency, and the 10th product gives investors exposure to a diversified basket of the top digital currencies on a market cap weighted basis. And so for most investors, whether you are a retail investor or you are a endowment or a pension, the idea of getting digital currency exposure has become relatively normalized and something that most, if not all investors are considering and or actioning, but giving them the ability to do so through a legal and operational framework um, that fits within their existing mandate and makes it easy for them has really allowed Grayscale to emerge as you know, the dominant player in the space. So something you said earlier about taking cues from Wall Street, Michael, like it, it seems you, you're creating a modern um, investment firm and you took away like a lot of the friction of, 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 of transacting on, on a blockchain, right? Like the, no digital wallets, like you actually, there's an account structure, I, I know who, I assume there's a, there's an account manager I can go to speak to. Is is that correct? Like you, you basically, my experience as a as a as an investor with Grayscale would be similar to my you know my experience at Vanguard or something like that. So the experience at Grayscale will depend a little bit on the investor type. Mm -hmm. um, for our retail investors, um, you'll be able to actually go into your brokerage account or retirement account in the same way that you might buy stocks and bonds and ETFs there, you can actually buy shares of several of the Grayscale products right in those accounts. Mm -hmm. um, and so today, three of our 10 products are already publicly traded. So um, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is quoted under the symbol GBTC. The Grayscale Ethereum Classic Trust is quoted under the symbol ETCG. And the Grayscale Ethereum Trust is quoted under the symbol ETHE. And so investors can go to their accounts, their FAs, whoever it may be that they're working with, um, whether self, 
directed investments or working with an advisor and buy and sell shares of any of those products, giving them exposure to Bitcoin, Ethereum Classic, and Ethereum. If you're um, an accredited investor, so high net worth investors, family offices, institutions, um, the Grayscale family of products is actually available through private placement. And so those investors can come directly to Grayscale and purchase any one of our products at their daily net asset value. And so I think for us, these are familiar experiences because each of these products have a QCIP and they're titled in the investor's name. Mm -hmm. They have financial statements, audited financials, tax reporting at the end of the year. And those are a lot of the typical aspects of an investment that you wouldn't be able to get if you were opening, for example, an account at a digital currency exchange and trying to buy or sell some digital currency. So there's uh, quite a bit of value add there and a lot of comfort that investors get when transacting with Grayscale. Interesting. And so obviously, you know, a listener at home, you know, sees, sees the run up in, in Bitcoin price again this year. Um, what are you seeing in terms of capital flows? Is, is there also a strong um, demand as well? There has been a lot of demand. So if we look back at 2018, which was a year that was characterized by nothing but declines in digital asset prices, for the Grayscale team, it was actually the strongest stretch of asset inflows we've ever experienced in the history of our business. Last year, we raised just shy of $360 million. Um, and this year, we're off to a really strong start. I would say that the types of investors we're engaging with is now more than ever broad and that it's everyone from retail to institutions um, and that investors are not only seeking asset deployment into Bitcoin, but are also looking at diversifying into other digital assets of which our product family also gives them exposure to. Interesting. And, and are you, so you, you said you're seeing sort of a broad um, demand, but are we seeing retail investors really step in or is it still mostly um, institutions? No, we're seeing quite a bit of demand on the retail side. Um, and so as you may have seen, we recently launched the hashtag drop gold campaign, um, which is really targeted to um, have a call to action in the investment community for folks to reconsider their existing asset allocations, in particular, perhaps their gold allocation, and rethink what those assets might want to move into, um, one of which we would argue would be Bitcoin um, and digital assets broadly. And so that has resonated really well with the investment community, and we've seen tremendous uptick in the trading volumes in our publicly quoted shares for sure. And that's interesting because a lot, a lot of like, at least marketing towards digital assets has, has been about how new it is. Um, this is like sort of saying we're a replacement for a different type of asset class and, you know, an, an older asset class. Um, where did the idea for that come from, I guess, with internally, like I, for the campaign? Sure. So I think from our perspective, the Bitcoin and gold argument um, has one that's been in the investment community for the last couple of years that people have begun to cling to the notion that perhaps gold was a physical store of value um, in a physical world, um, and that perhaps something like Bitcoin is a digital store of value for a digital world, and that while the two assets share quite a few overlapping attributes, that 
perhaps Bitcoin outshines gold, no pun intended, to uh, you know be an asset that is more portable, more divisible, and is verifiably scarce. And it's important that investors understand that you know the 60/40 model that they typically thought about having as their portfolio allocation maybe doesn't hold up anymore. And perhaps as we think about you know macro shocks, whether it's Brexit or Brexit or other shocks to the system, where we've historically seen investors flock to assets like gold as a safe haven, it's time to rethink that and think about what else might be out there for investors to think about um, in terms of building out a diversified portfolio to weather those kinds of dislocations. And so we've seen the gold industry do a fantastic job marketing gold to investors for decades um, but it's not you know maybe even once in every generation that an entirely new asset class is born and we thought it was important to bring that up to the surface and get investors to you know begin thinking about that yeah, i remember how much i learned from reading the s1 for the uh, for the gold etf when it when it came out but so so drop gold hashtag drop gold how how are you helping to promote this campaign where like what channels are you using um do you, and if you have any qualitative or quantitative response um to the campaign absolutely so certainly for anyone listening uh dropgold.com has become a resource we think for everyone thinking about this rotation perhaps out of gold and into Bitcoin. Lots of educational resources around the two and about Bitcoin specifically and investing in Bitcoin. Um, the campaign has been and will continue to be distributed across you know, linear television, across social media, display advertising. Um, and what we've seen is um, tremendous uptick in social media engagement and responses. Um, and certainly investment in daily trading volume across the product suite. So this is a narrative that I think has resonated quite well in the investment community and one that we'll continue to uh, promote and, and push along. Interesting. And I, I guess in the remaining time we have, I'm curious to know, um, I guess you're thinking about new products. Um, obviously, you know, there's, there's lots of different coins out there. Like how, how do you determine um, what to launch um, and how to launch it? So the initial reaction I have to that question would be that today with a product family that spans, uh, you know, 10 and that allowing access for investors to, you know, broadly the 80% of the digital currency landscape, we feel like we're in a very good position to provide investors with all the on-ramps that they need. That being said, we're constantly surveying the landscape um, of seeing what other protocols are out there that are interesting or potentially value accretive or disruptive that we should offer the opportunity to get involved with to our investors. And simultaneously balancing that with listening to our investors and hearing from them about what areas of the world they might want to gain exposure to. So it's important to kind of continue to walk that fine line, but at the moment, no immediate plans for any new products, but rather focusing on asset growth um, and certainly building out the team and, and systems and investing in the business over you know the back half of this year. That makes a lot of sense. So um, I guess I'm curious to know on the retail side, the retail investor side, is there um, obviously Drop Gold, I think squarely addresses some of their concerns. 
Um, but is there a part of, is there an educational sale that happens um, to be able to get them over a hump to, to, to bring them in as clients? Most definitely. Investors are looking to us as a resource to educate them about the merits of the digital currency asset class and what adding digital currency exposure um, can do for their portfolios. So while we are certainly an asset management business and we certainly are always looking to raise assets and grow our investor base, we also spend probably more than half of our time on the content creation front. Um, educating investors. And so on grayscale.co, we have a whole tab on our website called Insights, where we have tons of resources around distinct digital currency protocols, portfolio allocation, several investment theses, and also like to share with the world how asset flows are coming into our product family each quarter those reports have really become the de facto sentiment indicators of which assets investors are interested in deploying capital into. So I would say that's a really great place for investors to continue to get educated and, and certainly engage with us. That's interesting. And I guess we have time for one last question. Um, and you kind of alluded to this in a, in a previous answer, but you know, halfway through the year, what, is, what, is, what are your challenges and biggest priorities going into the, se the second half of the year? Our biggest priority was certainly asset growth um, and engaging with our investor audience. We've uh, been working not only on the next iteration of the Drop Gold campaign, which we're excited to bring about later this fall, but also on a lot of new content. And so again, that insights page, I think, is going to drown investors in all kinds of resources. Um, for them to continue to stay on top of changes in the asset class, which um, are happening so, so rapidly. Michael, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Appreciate you having me. Great, great chatting with you.